0: If I was just working all the time and didn't have those other aspects to my life, my work wouldn't be as good because I, I don't think I would be very happy. Um, so it's a bit cringe, but I guess the is do what makes you happy. Welcome to Graduate Compass, the podcast for graduates who haven't quite figured out what their next step is going to be.
1: dan hall we've had a number of people on the graduate compass podcast who've studied languages or maybe studied one language but you were the first person we've had on who studied two uh, in their degree it was it spanish and italian it italian
0: was. yes well, tell us what that was like um it was amazing i really enjoyed it i actually ended up doing spanish because at school the other things that i wanted to study in sixth form didn't really, like, it didn't seem doable at the time. Um, I was also studying music and English and I got really put off doing journalism on a university open day but I ended up doing an MA in it nine years later. So I did Spanish at school and it it felt like the only thing that I could possibly do at university but it ended up being just an amazing decision I think one of the great things about languages is part of studying is just going out with people, like going to a bar and chatting to them in, for me, Spanish or Italian. You could get away with that being study, and also things like watching films. um. So and listening to music, I don't think I did that much studying during my undergrad, but I still came out with the first because I, I engaged a lot with like the Spanish community especially in Manchester um, and on my year abroad as well and a great thing that at the time you could do was Erasmus Um, so I got I got a grant to spend five months in the south of Spain and five months in Italy and they were at the time they were like that was the best year of my life I've since gone on to teach in Spain and South America so they they sort of trumped it but when I was 21 I just couldn't believe how how lucky I'd got to to have a year like that.
1: So it, was, it it's interesting um, because before even journalism was, was on your radar that like there's obviously a love of language when we speak about it you're very passionate about it When 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 your course came to an end was there not a Kind of long term desire to kind of go down that route as like a translator or a teacher or or maybe you, I know you said you did some teaching but what was what was in your frame of mind when you were like leaving your course?
0: I mean my my initial thought when I was when I graduated from Manchester I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do as so many people aren't when they graduate and they're twenty one or twenty two. I did apply to the British Council's scheme, um, the assistantship scheme, but I didn't, I also wanted a bit of security. So I signed up for another year stay in my house in Manchester and sort of live with my friends who I'd studied with. Um, And I got a job as an uh, intern at the university. I'd worked a lot with international students and I really wanted to go into like international, the international department at Manchester Met because i had done loads of work with them, but I sort of panicked and picked a job. I basically took the first job that would have us and that maybe wasn't the best decision when I look back on it now, but at the time it was more important to have that security and sort of just the income coming in because when when you don't have the loan anymore, you're like, oh no, what do I do? So that was the main thing. I think I did try and do a bit of translation on the side, certainly, but it's really hard to get into, or I found it was. I did some voluntary work for a website which supported Erasmus students and supported um, and translated some of their web pages from Spanish into English, but that was unpaid and quite hard to live in Manchester, unpaid. Um, so I didn't I didn't pursue that for long. I did go on to teach English later on though, because I think there's definitely a sort of you, you get told when you do languages, it's like you can go into anything, you can do whatever you want. And and I did apply to like loads of graduate schemes and stuff, but none of them quite hit the spot and I didn't really see how I would be using languages in them. Though I am back doing journalism, my eventual goal is to go to move back abroad and work from ideally Spain but that was the reason that I came back but since then a few things have been thrown into that. I'm now in a relationship which I wasn't before and my partner only speaks English and is still studying and also obviously there's Covid so that's been a pretty big reason that I'm still in the UK
1: what I like about your story is that I think it's quite representative of what so many people go through the kind of realism of graduating like you know you very upfront about the fact that yeah you know I needed money straight away after after university and so many people go through that experience and they just need any job they can get just to kind of pay the bills and but there's, there's another side of that as well because like as you as you're Career has been developing, as things being, and your life has been panning out. I suppose general you know, things do happen, as you said, with the relationship that happens, and a lot of people will relate to that. Um, but I think the thing that interests me the most is that is the fact that you know the you mentioned about the 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 fact that having a degree opens so many doors, but it's it, it it what can be hard is deciding which one you want to go through, and which you know to, taking that step forward. And I suppose. When you were doing that job that the initial job after university this is my my long winded um, monologue coming to a question. did you have a you know i know you said you didn't you, you didn't particularly like it or it didn't wasn't the, the perfect fit did that give you enough time to kind of reevaluate and kind of like start planning things then to kind of have your head above water, or was it just a case of just seeing it as you
0: went uh, kind of planning it as you went along? yeah um I think just to follow on from the point I made before before I answer that. When I said about looking back as well, I don't know if this would be helpful to current graduates or people who are about to graduate, sometimes you have a skill set that means that you can actually wait until you find a job that is maybe better suited to you. There is obviously that scary thing of not having the money but if you can even wait a couple more weeks or a couple more months and just get something temporary, I think that is a really good way to go because like I said well, When I was doing the job that I did, there was a job in the international department which was the same and that was what I wanted to do but because that wasn't the first one offered to me, I didn't take it. Um, But yeah, it did give me time to plan and time to work stuff out. So what I actually did as soon as I finished that job, um, it was an internship. So I was given initially a three-month contract so it wasn't even long term. Um, I was given a three month contract, which then got extended for another three months and then another three months. And I'd worked as a student ambassador through my whole degree. So I had a lot of contacts throughout the uni. And then after that, someone else took me on for some temporary work. But I started in August and in the January of 2016. Um, I found something called the Tech Programme with the British Council, which I don't think runs anymore. Um, but that is basically you go out to Thailand for the summer and you teach English, you live with a Thai family um, and you just get to sort of integrate more into the, the culture of the country than you would if you were traveling so I'd found that and I was like I'm gonna do that and I've got this next x amount of months to put myself in the best position to go there because that was I think the pay for that was something like 200 pounds a month so it's like a It's a nominal amount, really. Um, But I was just like, I'm going to save some money and then I can go away and work out what I want to do. And that, (laughs) again, something else came up that uh, kind of made things a longer route. So I ended up coming back to Manchester and taking a job from someone I already knew in student accommodation for another six months. And that was the worst job I've ever had. (laughs)
1: And and we was there any benefit for having a job that you didn't like did you you learn anything from it?
0: yeah I think I sort of learned that the difference of like managing relationships in a workplace to managing them on a uni course or in a part-time like hospitality job or at school um and I definitely picked up a lot of skills I learned a lot like I I sort of have always known that like no matter what's going on around us I'll get on with what I need to do until it's done so I was quite pleased that I still managed to do that but there's a lot of stuff now when I look back at that time I'm like mentally I really wasn't okay and I was dealing with things best I could but like if I was doing the same things now I would approach them a different way. And when
1: when that contract ended or when, when your time there finished mm-hmm. uh, where did you go from there? I went to Thailand. Oh, I, you you I, a job? I, I think I misunderstood, so I thought you said that when you, when you came back from
0: Thailand that's when you took the accommodation job, was that before you went to Thailand? I did, so the work I did, I worked for the university's accommodation office mm-hmm. and then I went to Thailand and I come back and I got offered a job, with as a receptionist in one of the accommodations that was privately run but who I had met from working with them in that office. I told you, yes right okay I'm wishing now my apologies. Oh, um, so when uh,
1: when you're working in that job the ones that you, you were on about the private accommodation that's not really working out
0: mm-hmm. were you
1: constantly looking for new things or did that kind of come to a natural close?
0: Well I at that point so The reason that I came back is just before I went to Thailand, I met someone um, and I came back to move to Manchester and sort of work through things with them that didn't work out. Um, And by that point I was like, okay, I've stayed here for a job. I've come back for someone I liked very much past tense um, and have got another job. This really isn't working out for me. I'm gonna go and do something I actually wanna do. So that was when I I got a TEFL qualification because I'd done a lot of, I used to do Spanish and Italian teaching days at the school, at the university it, um, in Manchester. So um, students from low-income area schools across Manchester um, would come in and we'd give them like modern we're called the modern foreign language open days. So I would teach them like the basics of Spanish and Italian and maybe we'd play a game and play them a song in the language and they'd have to like fill in the gaps and stuff like that. And I was quite good at it. So I was like, I could maybe teach English. And you know, I had my Spanish degree and my Italian degree. And I was like, I just need to actually use it. So I found um I although I said I really enjoyed my yeah, abroad I did but where I was there was quite a lot of English speakers so I didn't speak Spanish as much as I would like to so I found a job in a school in a place called Galicia in uh, sorry in a place called Lugo in Galicia which is right at the top northwest of Spain. Um, and then I got a job there and I moved over there for a year. And um, what was that like
1: as an experience because I always think that people have a romantic view of like moving abroad, you know, for like a long period of time, kind of because it's obviously it's a very different atmosphere than maybe going for a semester or something like that. To actually move abroad and kind of making that commitment, um, I I think it can often be a having done it myself can be it can be different to what people think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So for, for you, did it match up to your expectations?
0: I mean, at the time, it was. Oh, it was great. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Um. It was the perfect way to get like to get that relationship I'd been in and that awful job, like out of my system. Um I come at the end of the year, I was a totally different person to who had gone there. Um I don't think moving abroad is for everyone. I'm quite a confident person, I'm quite an extroverted person, so I found it no trouble like finding people and making friends and just speaking to pretty much anyone who who looked like they might want a conversation um but there are definitely there's definitely downsides to it as well but i think the positives outweigh that do you want me to explain what i think some of the downsides are just in case go for it yeah i think administratively it can be quite difficult um i imagine That is much more so now, because I went when we had freedom of movement. Um, But just things like, just little things like you have to register with the police in Spain. And this is one example, I I had to get a form and print it off from this person who had gone to an office. And this person had a printer right next to her. And I was like, can I use your printer? And she's like, no, no. You have to go to a copy shop which is like a little photocopying shop, go and pay with your own money to get it done then bring it back and wait in the queue again. Um, I decided when I was doing that I would go for a coffee and then by the time I'd got the thing printed and gone back they'd closed the office because it was like I think one in the afternoon and it just think little things like that like the little cultural changes can sometimes be frustrating especially when it comes to just simple admin tasks and i think the other thing is as well no matter how quickly and how well you make friends you obviously are still you've made that decision to be apart from your family and your your close friends and not being able to just pop around and see them is quite hard like a video call is not the same and for somewhere like Lugo, that is like most people think going to Spain, you can do a long weekend because it's like just a two-hour flight from pretty much anywhere in the UK. Whereas Lugo was was a flight to Madrid and then an overnight bus. So if you do that in a weekend, you know you're gonna have to you're gonna maybe get there on Saturday afternoon and then leave on sunday afternoon and why would you do all that traveling for one day
1: because i um people who listen to the podcast regularly will know that that i spent um a a year in korea over a year in korea and i and i always i always remember one (laughs) random night you know you think like moving to asia this massive you know kind of experience and i remember me and like two other friends were just sitting watching netflix just some comedy show on Netflix and I was like this could be any Tuesday night you know back in the UK or back in Ireland or whatever and it's those things I don't think people often realize when you go abroad that you do have kind of normal experiences as well and like that like like it's not constantly that high of like oh I'm abroad and, and there's lows as well not to put anybody off but I just think it's an interesting part of the conversation moving abroad people don't often think about.
0: I think on that as well some people I certainly did this like if you do that you might beat yourself up about it and be like, oh, I'm not making the most of it, but sometimes you really need that. Like every week, I, <laughs> I just made sure I watched Match of the Day as like a bit of normality and something that I remembered from home. But sometimes when I watched it, I was like, I should be going out and talking to Spanish people or I should be doing something to like better myself or like make the most of my experience. It's like, no, sometimes you can just like chill out, do something that you enjoy and don't feel guilty about
1: it, Which I think is beautiful advice for life not just for uh, living abroad. So yeah. when you come back from Spain you're, you're this new person, it's giving you this new energy, you kind of have this new kind of a purpose about yourself. Mm. Where did that kind of uh, go in terms of your career development? Where did you put that new energy?
0: Well I'd, <laughs> I've always wanted to go to South America so I found a job there and I moved to Ecuador. Um, and that was experience wise and what I learned from it that is one of the best decisions I've ever made work wise it was an absolute shambles and I left the job after two months Um, and I had like my boss from Spain we'd gotten really well and he was like you should have stayed here Um, you could have had another year it would have been great and I was like I could have but I'm doing something I've always wanted to do and I'm pleased about it Um, and I think I think for my career it did actually do a lot but it did things that I didn't realise until I've been doing them later so well that's where I started writing when I when I quit the job I was like well I want to stay here so I need to make some money I'd already started a travel blog and it was just to keep in in touch with friends and family back home but then um, I used it just to apply for some jobs Um, and I ended up getting like freelance proofreading and freelance content writing work, nothing well paid at all but definitely enough like the cost of living in South America is a fraction of what it is in Europe so I made more than enough to you know stay in I'd stay in like nice hostels so that I could meet people and I I don't think I ever used a hostel kitchen for six months. I was always finding like places to eat. Um, Sometimes that was a bit of a mistake because I ended up catching a parasite over there. But I did lose a lot of weight, so that was good. Um, I think I lost 15 kilos.
1: (laughs) I I need to uh, jump in here and just say that there's not a recommended health um, uh, uh, practice, I suppose, to try and lose weight. That sounds terrifying.
0: It's not. um What I would say is, if you go to a market in Peru and you're served medium rare chicken, just don't eat it. Like the amount of times I must have eaten food that wasn't cooked through and just got on with it was pretty stupid.
1: Good advice. Good advice. At least we we, we know for the future. So we, how long were you How long were you in South America for in general?
0: Um, I went there at the end of August 2018 and I was there until April 2019 and I flew home via Sydney to see my best friend who'd moved out there
1: so when you eventually kind of make your way back to the UK obviously at this point journalism is really kind of high on your agenda you're kind of moving towards it Mm-hmm. had you made that decision that you were going to go back and do a master's on it or was there a uh, kind of a turning point
0: I'd made my decision that I was going to go back and pursue journalism I wasn't sure if a master's was the right idea I wasn't sure that I was going to do it from the UK that I was looking at maybe going back to Spain and like working alongside teaching um but I the more I looked into it, I was like, I, I don't want to teach forever. Um I like it as a means to get to travel and sort of get more in touch with the place. But I've never had any desire to teach in the UK, certainly. But I've I've kind of always wanted to write. Um, but I think it was being out there that gave me the confidence to do that. And like the reactions I got to my blog were really good. Um and I I looked at, I was like, I've had quite a long time away, because after, it wasn't just the year in Spain and South America, before that I'd been in Manchester for, I think it ended up being five or six years, it was, I was, I went there for uni when I was 18 and I left when I was 24, I think, um, or maybe even, yeah, no, I was 24, so it was a long time away from Newcastle and I was like, I just want to stay close to home for a bit. Like I'm still really close to my friends here. Um, I'm still close to my family because I'm an only child. And I think um, leaving every year was like just making my mom's blood pressure go far too high. Um, So I looked at courses nearby and that's how I ended up at Sunderland.
1: It's really interesting because one of the first things you said was that journalism was sort of an area of interest, but for whatever reason, you didn't feel like you had the confidence to go for it. You, you know, you didn't believe you could do it or whatever. So you you take this, you know, you place your strengths and you go in and do the, the Spanish and, and the Italian. And that opens up this door of of travel, really, that like, you know, it exposes you to to other cultures and, and kind of makes you very familiar with traveling. And then the traveling gives you the confidence to yeah. go into journalism. Yeah. And it's such a fantastic kind of example of, of how things can, and you know, we re- lead you down different paths in a way that maybe you didn't expect. Because the the, the degree that you, you did, although, you know, I know you're not translating or, or teaching Spanish every day or whatever now, it just sounds like it just, it, it gave you what you needed and led you to where you needed
0: to go. It did. And it's given me like the best sort of, start in because I really want to do travel journalism long term um, and so my first piece that I had published was about Chernobyl which I went to, it'll be two summers ago now, um, I had my first ever piece published in Lonely Planet but I've made like so many contacts along the way that I've been able to go back to so during my master's I wrote a story about a hostel owner in Ecuador who has his own podcast Um, which I've also been on Um, and that was just just something that started over there that then I wrote about when I got back. Um, I've been published, where else have I written about? Um, I've also sort of used what I know as a traveller and a tourist to write about the UK so during lockdown, I had a piece published in The Independent on Kielder water um, and going on walks around there. Um, and I don't know, as someone who lives near there, it's really interesting to look at it through the eyes of someone who was reasonably local, but also to see what is so exciting about it for people to come and visit.
1: I mean it, it sounds like you're, you're doing really well with your career and it sounds like things have really kind of like come together and I, I'm I'm really curious to know what advice you're going to offer anyone who's listening who is maybe not at that stage who hasn't quite figured things out yet regardless of whether they want to go down a journalism route or not.
0: Um, I would say that I think the thing that I see a lot of people doing is putting pressure on themselves to have everything worked out like when they graduate from their from their BA or their BSE whatever they might be doing um, you really don't need to have it worked out by then and I think it's, it is important to push yourself and it is important to have some idea of what you want but if that's not like feasible at the time don't worry about it like you can come back to you can come back to things take the time you need because sometimes as well You want a career, but you need to consider the other aspects of your life as well. Like, I've been offered jobs. I've been working freelance for the last year or so. I've been offered jobs that I've turned down because the work-life balance hasn't been there. And for me at 28, that's something that's really important. Like I said, I'm in a relationship. I have quite an active social life. My parents are getting on, so sometimes they need to be taking hospital appointments and stuff like that. And I want to be there to do that for them, Um, but I've got to a point where I can make that fit around my life. But you kind of need, or I need, those other aspects to make me work well, like if I was just working all the time, and didn't have those other aspects to my life, my work wouldn't be as good because I I don't think I would be very happy. Um, so it's a bit cringe, but I guess find <laughs> is doing what makes you happy there.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's cringe at all. I think I think it shows that there's a like you've put a lot of work into kind of self-evaluating what you're interested in, who you are, what makes you tick, and and kind of applying that to your career, which I, I kind of don't think enough people do really because it's it's um you need you need to have that self-awareness i suppose is, is what, I, what i'm getting at but yeah no I, I absolutely totally agree i do like to give people a bit of a free question at the end just to just to say is there anything that you'd like to say to you know with kind of no question format or anything you'd like to say just to finish off the episode
0: um don't have to no i'm trying to think of I, <laughs> it's just sort of on the same point really as what i was saying i like be open-minded say yes to say yes to almost everything um, like don't be afraid to go outside your comfort zone but if there's something that is really really that you're just like that doesn't feel right then don't do it but you learn a lot by putting yourself out there and like doing things that maybe you wouldn't have thought you would have when you were like In the early years of your degree and and also one thing that I've found really handy is just stay in touch with people stay in touch with everyone (laughs) like make contacts because you never know how they might help you like for instance I'm teaching I, I teach English over zoom at the minute as well I'm teaching a student of a friend from my undergrad degree Who I hadn't spoken to in a while, he just said, like, she wants to um she is in touch with people from Newcastle, so she wants to get some English lessons from someone who can maybe help her with the accent a bit. So I've got that job and a lot of the stuff I've done as well. Like one of my lecturers from Sunderland has been amazing in terms of like developing my contacts. Um and I think without having met him and establishing a relationship with him I definitely wouldn't have got that story I mentioned before with Chernobyl and there's other freelance commissions that I wouldn't have got without his like help not help as in I just mean like looking over my pitch and maybe suggesting a couple of changes and making a couple of edits before I send it off to the publication that's doing it so absolutely stay in touch with people from uni but also just people that you meet who you find interesting make sure you get your number or their Facebook because you might at some point like be able to get something from them but you might also be able to give them something as well and you'll just be quite I don't know it's quite nice I like I love it when someone that I haven't spoken to for ages pops up on my phone they're like I've got a proposition for you because I'm just like oh
1: no, it sounds like really good advice. I have to admit as well, just and like, like, and I don't know whether I'm going to keep this bit in the in the podcast or not. But I was hoping when you said, um, you said, uh, uh, say yes to everything, and I wanted you to say I was willing you to say it except for uncooked chicken, and oh. I I thought that would have been a beautiful ending to the podcast. But we we miss it we miss it. But no, it's really good advice. Thank you so much for for for, uh, for for joining us today, and I think it's it's some some really really good advice.
0: I really enjoyed it. So thank you for having me.
1: You're more than welcome. And thank you to you for listening. Uh, it's very much appreciated. If you want to support the show, as always, you can do so by following us on Facebook, Twitter or TikTok, or you can share an episode of the podcast with someone who you think might be interested in one of the stories, whether it stands or some of the other fantastic people we've had on the show. It'd be very much appreciated. In the meantime, thank you very much and goodbye.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Graduate Compass. Remember, if there is a degree subject or specific industry you would like to be featured on any future episodes, then we would love to hear from you and know what you're trying to find out. Our email is info at graduatecompass.ie.